Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estbrook, your host, on another Saturday morning. Hope you have your coffee. Hope everything's kind of gone well in your world. Um, you know, we're we're winding down, winding down the gardening season at this point. You know, mid-October, and let's face it, it's over. Still some time to plant, but for the most part, it's over. Now it's how do we protect things. It's Columbus Day weekend. It's the last weekend Scarborough and Kennebunk are open. So important if you're going to stop in, just stop in and say hello to the staff or goodbye for the season. Been an excellent season for us in both those stores. Overall, we've had an amazing season. It's really been great. We want to thank all of you for your support. It's uh it's nice to have such great customers. You really keep us on our toes and, uh, you know, kind of pushing forward and making sure that, you know, our business is doing the best we possibly can to serve you. Uh, if there are things you're interested for next year, always contact us. The earlier we know, the better. You know, we're already ordering and planning for next year. So let's think about if there are specific things you want, let me know. Let us know, stop in, fill out request sheets, uh, whatnot. You know, important to kind of think about doing that. Planning for spring, you know, think back upon your garden this year, you know, or take a stroll through and make some notes. Big things will kind of pop up when you take the time to do this. You know, it's really important to kind of just reflect on the season. So take a pad of paper. Walk your yard, think about the colors in fall, think about the things that did well, didn't do well, think about the insect or disease problems you might have had, what we might need to do to kind of make you more successful. If you did a vegetable garden, what did well for you, what didn't, talk to us over the off season, think about what you might need for space. Did you overplant your vegetable garden? I did this year. You know, things are a little too tight. I had some problems because of it. Do I need to make another new raised bed? Do I need to add to my, you know, garden? Um, you know, what are some of those holes, you know, what did well for the annuals? What didn't? You know, maybe we want to switch out the choices. If you don't write those things down, when you, you know, it's a long time to spring. And so important to take kind of notes and, and stock of what things have, have been going on. It's Columbus Day weekend. It's time to pick your pumpkin. You know, you got to make sure you've got, uh, you know, your pumpkin already picked. Don't wait until the last day. You know, I hate disappointing people when we sell out a couple days before Halloween and they bring the kids in and we don't have any. And let's face it, it's just kind of like Christmas. You know, we don't want any poinsettias after, you know, the holiday uh, or, you know, any holiday type decor. So we're running kind of on the lower side. You know, we still have good stock, but... It, it disappears very quickly right before the holiday. So picking your pumpkin is important, okay? And I'm going to give you a couple tips also. If you already have your pumpkin and you're thinking about carving it sooner than later, a few good tips, okay? Number one, don't use a candle, okay, to light it. Use an LED light. We have these little LED lights that are great. Okay, they last for a long, long time. With a candle, what happens is it starts the rotting process very quickly. Okay, so if you carve your pumpkin early and the first night you carve it, you say, hey, let's light them, you know, with the kids. And so you light them, and what does that do? It spurs on the actual ontake of rotting. 
okay? So think about picking up a little LED light. They sell them all over the place. We have some at the store. Um, They're also great for Christmas time. You know, so they're decorative. You can use them in other little candle holders or whatnot. I also, you know, like the new LED lights. They're very, um, they look very real, and the possibility of fire is not there. The other thing I would recommend is take some good old Vaseline and rub the inside of your pumpkin after you carve it. What that will do is seal the moisture into the pumpkin, just like when you have the core and the seeds in there. It keeps moisture in there. And that's the lifeblood of a pumpkin, is keeping the skin moist. So rubbing the inside with some Vaseline also will help. Rubbing the underside of the top will also help. And that will help preserve your pumpkin to make sure you get through the holiday. I know we always kind of jump the gun and... and uh, you know, carve them a little bit early. And let's face it, right after the holiday, they just kind of wilt down and then they're just a mess on the step. Uh, So think about doing some of those things that will really, really help, you know, with pulling, you know, and keeping those moisture in, in the pumpkin. Let's talk a little bit about the birds. You know, it's that time of year. The leaves are falling. You know, fall is coming towards an end. Winter is right on our doorstep. I mean, let's face it, we've had beautiful weather this fall, you know, Indian summer-like, you know, conditions on and off, but Mother Nature is here. She's going to rear her ugly head at some point, and we're just not sure, you know, what we need to get done, you know, before that date happens. I always find myself behind the eight ball. You know, I haven't done a lot of things, you know, and so think about your birds, because now is the time to attract them to your yard. Now's the time to get them used to you having food out. The later you put food, the less bird attraction you have throughout the winter. So get those, you know, we've talked about this in past weeks, you know, clean up your bird feeders, put new seed in them. You know, that old seed that's been sitting there all summer is not worth a darn. Put it on the ground, let the squirrels take it. Very important. Also, cleaning, you know, those those uh, feeders, you know, helps keep, you know, any possible fungal or disease stuff, you know, for the birds. We want to be cautious about that. Use a gentle cleaner. Make sure and wash them thoroughly with clean water afterwards. Uh, you know, important not to, you know, have a situation where we make the, the seed, um, you know, have any problems. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rose bushes. What should we be doing with our rose bushes? Should we prune them back? Shouldn't we? Kind of depends on what type of rose bush you have. Okay. With rose bushes, you know, a lot of times the shrub roses, I just say leave alone. So if you have knockout roses, if you have any of the uh, the Ragosa hybrids, if you have any of the David Austins, I say leave them alone. With hybrid teas and grandiflores, some of the uh, more tender you know, we're going to need to cover those or mulch those, and we might need to prune back some, you know, in order to uh, get them in underneath rose cones or whatnot. You know, when you go by a, a rose-loving house, you always see those styrofoam rose cones or cardboard rose cones. We sell cardboard instead of styrofoam now. Uh, they have a nice vent in the top, but they just keep all the snow and everything. I recommend you prune back a little bit of your roses, you put that rose cone on, and then I, I put mulch around the base of the rose cone to hold it in place. And that way there's not air going underneath, and there's a nice vent in the top, which allows the warm air to get out. 
mulch underneath the crown also. You know, so time to think about doing all of that. You're probably, roses are starting to look a little bit rough, you know, starting to kind of pass bloom. We we're, we're, we may or may not get frost any time. You know, it's that time of year when you just don't know. So, rose bushes. We'll keep those on the forefront because we've got to do something to some of these, you know, in the near future. Halloween candy. I'm always the guy that's like last minute, got to run to the grocery store. Have you picked up your Halloween candy? Have you even done your costume? You know, is your decor all set? You know, have you put out the scary guy that sits on the step for when the kids, you know, walk up or or whatever you might have? And let's face it, it's time to start planning for Christmas. I know I skipped Thanksgiving, which is not right. Okay, Thanksgiving is a time that it's we just kind of roll over, you know, a lot of the decorations from Halloween. So, you know, hopefully your corn stalks are still looking good. Your mums are probably starting to look a little bit tired. If they still look good, make sure and cover them and protect them from frost. Just throw a bath towel over the top of them if if it's going to get cold. And last but not least, you know, think about stockpiling a few things. Maybe go and purchase some gourds and put them in the garage for the table you know maybe some other little accents from fall make sure and pick up your squash use those for decor and then you can cook them for the holiday you know so all of those things kind of go hand in hand but don't wait until last minute because a lot of times the gourds and all of those things are sold out by the time we get to thanksgiving and you can't find stuff for the table so just think about picking up a few of those things around halloween um, or just before And then, let's face it, November is here. You know, it's time to start thinking about doing all of those things that we have to do in the off-season. Clean the gutters. Do all of this fun stuff, you know. Take and drain all of your hoses. Even if you still have them out for use, after you use them each time, drain the hose. That way the hose isn't frozen when you go to use it. There's nothing I hate worse when I make a mistake and don't drain the hose and then I go to use it for my last waterings and it's completely frozen. Then what do you do? Well, you got to bring it in inside. You got to thaw it out. You got to wait for a warm day. And let's face it, we forget there's a warm day. We forgot the hose was frozen and then it freezes again. So classic scenario of, of situation of what might happen. The other thing is cleaning those gutters. There's nothing worse when all the leaves and everything are in the gutters and frozen. I've had to do this before where I have to go down to the basement. I have to hook up to the water heater. I have to use the hot water, take a bucket, you know, all of that. That's just a pain. So save yourself some time and do some of those things along the way. Now, depending on what type of trees you have, the leaves may be down. They may not be down. So we have to wait for that time frame. And, of course, Mother Nature never plays nice when it comes to that. So, you know, drain the hoses, clean the gutters. You know, is your air conditioner away? Did you drain that out so it doesn't doesn't freeze up? You know, and last but not least, winterizing all your tools and your generators. And think about all those electrical things you might need. So we'll talk more about that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. We 
know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. You know those Black Friday doorbuster deals where they offer ridiculous prices on a few items? Well, imagine that on almost every item. Estabrooks and Scarborough and Kennebunk are closing for the season on Monday, October 14th. And all trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, ground covers, and annuals are now 40 to 50% off. You'll enjoy a head start on next spring, and you won't even have to camp out the night before. To learn more, visit Estabrooks and Scarborough or Kennebunk or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on this wonderful Columbus Day weekend. I hope you're enjoying something out there. You know, we're holding on to fall. We're holding on. You know, Columbus Day weekend, to me, is kind of the end of fall. You know, the leaves are really kind of passing by. The foliage is done. You know, now it's about winterizing. Now it's we're down to nitty-gritty. we got to get the stuff done before winter. So, you know, I always figure we've got two weeks you know, by November 1st, you know, we're basically, you know, we've got to be ready because Mother Nature can can just change like that. Uh, so we're just constantly thinking about things. So we've been talking about cleaning the gutters. We've been talking about kind of doing all of these things. But I want to talk about your equipment. So we're getting close to, you know, the end of our season with the lawnmower, the string trimmer, the chainsaw we want to make sure is all squared away for, you know, winter possibly, but we've used it all season. And, you know, generator's been sitting there for a long time. We probably haven't used it much. You know, uh, the air conditioner, you know, let's think about all those things we use all summer, okay? So, you know, the way I look at it is here's the, the big thing. Okay, so we got to put away the summer stuff. So the air conditioner's got to go away. There's always water in the air conditioner when I go to take it out. So think about draining that air conditioner and getting it in some place where it's not going to freeze up, you know, and protect it, you know. And then the the other thing is I always start thinking about, okay, I'm getting close to the end of my lawn mowing days, you know, so what do I need to do? Okay, so I have gasoline. I need to put additive in my gasoline, okay. Even if I'm still using it, just get in the habit, okay, I have, I want to get some fresh gas and I'm going to put additives in it to protect from the ethanol so that I don't blow up my engine in the spring. Same thing with your two-cycle engines. Same t- same thing for all of your gasoline chainsaw, all of that. Let's get some additive in that gas. If you haven't been using it all summer, think about doing that now. 
Okay, that way when you fill up your gas tank the last time, you know, the other thing that I, I thought was a really good tip, and I had ta- I was talking with somebody about this not long ago, is when you use your equipment, there's usually a gas shutoff, okay? And what they recommend is that you actually put your treated gas in into your equipment, and then when you're the last time you're using it, you actually continue to keep it running, and you shut the gasoline off, and you allow it to run until it basically dies because it doesn't have any gas. That uses all the gas up that's in the engine chamber, okay? And then you have treated gas in the tank, and you leave that off for the winter. So there's no gas in the engine. You've got treated gas in the tank, and it just helps protect so that there's no moisture in the engine. So I thought that was a great idea. So, you know, like my lawnmower or the tractor or whatnot, you know, shut that gas down and leave it running and run the gas out of the engine so there's no gas in the engine. Can't create any moisture or water in the engine, which can harm your engine terribly. Start your generator. Get the generator out, run it for an hour or so, you know, make sure the battery is charged up. You know, all of those things that, you know, in a winter emergency when you need the generator... There's nothing worse than when you can't start it, you've got bad gas in it, and then you blow up the engine. The other thing by running it is you're going to make sure the battery, if you have an electric start, is going to be good to go. So important to kind of think about all of those things, okay? We've talked about the the hoses. Another idea might be changing your batteries, in your smoke alarms. Now, I always recommend you put the date that you changed it last because I, you know, it's about a year you should you should go. And also carbon monoxide detectors. Okay. We're getting into heating season. You know, we've fired up the furnace, we're starting to use the wood stove. Speaking of wood stoves or if you have a fireplace, have you cleaned your chimney? Have you checked your chimney? Has someone looked at that? Make sure there's not a lot of creosote buildup. Fire danger with wood is always an issue if you don't have a clean chimney. So think about that. It's time to think about staking the driveway for plowing or snow blowing. You know, are there those plants that always get beat up by the plow guy? Whether it be you, your husband, or someone you hire? You know, can you put up some stakes to make sure they don't pile the snow in that area and have a discussion with them about that? You know, they may not remember it, but if you put stakes there, it's going to definitely tell them to stay away. And last but not least, I want to talk a little bit about the compost pile. Okay, we've got a lot of leaves in the yard now. You know, a lot of leaves. Okay, so we've worked all season. If you have a compost pile now, you, it may be a small one. So we're going to get a lot of organic matter. If you have a bagging lawnmower, it's great to kind of shed up, shred up all those leaves. You know, if you can, the more you shred them up, the quicker they're going to break down. It's just you're going to break the leaf tension. You're going to actually enter in a whole bunch of different different stuff. 
Okay, so if you have some compost that you've been composting all season, you've got what I call inoculant that has all kinds of microbes growing in it. So let's pile up the leaves, get them into a pile, and then periodically throughout that pile as you make it, throw some shovelfuls of the compost you've already got made. If you don't have any made, buy some compost to add in or buy a compost maker. Okay, it's just going to increase the microbes in there to break down everything now the lifeblood to compost is air so you need to turn your compost periodically and turning those leaves so when they start to mat down you need to turn that pile over so all of those food scraps you've had from the house that you add in turn them in as you do them that will add to the microbes okay and like I said if you can shred up the leaves you know, that's great. It's a great way to kind of break it down even quicker. The goal is to have decent compost by late spring the following year. The other thing you might consider is putting adding some lime, depending on the types of leaves you're putting in there. If you're putting a lot of pine needles and if you're adding a lot of oak leaves, then adding lime will help with that breakdown process, okay, because you've got an extremely acidic situation there. So it will really add, you know, and help those microbes work through the product and kind of break it down. Now, the key, I keep coming back to this, is the more you turn your pile, the better it's going to do. So at least once to t- once or twice a week, do that. Okay? Go out and just turn the pile. Now, once it's frozen, it should never get frozen if it's composting correctly because the center should be really nice and warm try to keep a two pile system what i call or a three pile system one that is completely cooked down one that is partially done and one where you're putting your fresh material and you keep kind of bouncing back between the three once you get good rich finished compost you put that in the third one and it just stays there, and you use it as you need it. The other two piles, you bounce back and forth. The fresh material you're adding and the older material that's already compost. That will inoculate, and it will improve the microbes so that you're constantly adding product. Now, the other thing is it gives you space to turn your pile back and forth, back and forth. If you don't if you only have one spot, it's very tough to continually add and get finished compost in the end. And last but not least, having a a composter that you can put your food waste into to keep the animals out of it. So, you know, a commercially bought composter that you can turn easily. You know, we've talked about this before in the past, you know, where you can slide open a door throw the table scrappings in, and then close the door and turn it. And then as that tends to start to get heavier, you just take some of that compost out and add it to your yard waste compost bin. So all the leaves and everything you cut back in your garden, you know, some of your vegetable seedlings, we want to be cautious about adding things that might have disease. Like, for instance, if you have tomatoes and they had blight this year, my suggestion is to pack up those and don't add them to your compost pile. 
Okay, I'm not too worried about powdery mildew. I'm not too worried about other diseases. But if there you had impatient problems this year with downy mildew, I don't want to put those in there. And, you know, maybe like tomato blight. Other than that, most of the other things I think we're going to be okay with if you're turning your pile enough. But those two, I say let's just get them off the property. Let's create a situation where we're in, in a much better situation. So all good tips. You know, we're thinking about what we're going to do to kind of get ready for winter this week. We're going to have a whole bunch of things when we come back. We're going to talk about bulbs, what we should be doing then. We're going to talk about all kinds of questions that customers have. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, the lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on this Columbus Day weekend. Beautiful, beautiful fall we're having here. Just amazing weather. Uh, you know, Indian summer has kind of hit, you know, and uh, we've had a lot of nice weather. It hasn't felt like October here. You know, for the most part, you know, the first week of October was just amazing. You know, 70s, absolutely phenomenal. You know, so let's face it. Okay, we're on the downward swing, though. You know, we can't get away from that. So let's talk a little bit about bulbs, okay? Because it's time. If you haven't purchased your bulbs, it's time to think about purchasing, number one, and it's time to start thinking about planting. And I'm saying thinking because we need to use our weather conditions will kind of tell us exactly when we should. Number one, it's been quite warm, okay? So the, the, the soil temperatures are really quite warm right now. 
Okay, so I've got a question here. Is it time to plant bulbs? And give me some quick tips to make me successful with my bulbs. I have not had good success planting bulbs. Okay, so that's a perfect scenario. We hear it time and time again. People are frustrated. They're frustrated with bulbs. So let's talk a little bit about being successful first off. Many times I find customers are trying to plant bulbs where they should never plant bulbs. So there are two areas I recommend you do not plant bulbs. Number one is a wet site. If you have heavy clay and wet, bad scenario. If you have heavy clay, period, bad scenario. Okay, right there. Those two things don't go hand in hand. Your, your bulbs will die before they even start to root. They will decline if they do... Th you know, survive time and time again. They will die out over time. The second site that I find bulbs do not do well is heavy root competition areas. So if your garden's extremely full of roots, maybe you have big trees that are above head and, you know, it's tough to get trees and shrubs and perennials to live, why would you think bulbs are going to do well? Okay. Those two conditions, to me, are the areas that we tend to really have a lot of problems. Now, clay is our biggest enemy when it comes to bulbs. And let's face it, Maine has everything from sands on our beach to heavy marine clay just inland. So we need to have a situation where bulbs are going to thrive. So a moist, well-drained soil is a perfect scenario. So if you're Building new flower beds, that is a place that you're going to have probably your best success. Around your home up close where they've backfilled the foundation is another good place. Okay, if you think about it, it's well-drained. It gets good moisture off of the roof. So, you know, they never quite dry out terribly in the summer months either. So, bulbs. Good soil makes a big difference on longevity. Okay, I love daffodils, crocus, hyacinths, muscari or grape hyacinth, snowdrops. All of those to me are awesome bulbs. They're long-lived. They come up time and time again. They multiply and divide well. You don't have to do a lot to them. Now, I left tulips out for a reason. Tulips are more maintenance. They tend to be shorter-lived. But nothing gives you the show like tulips. Okay. When planting, always two and a half times the size of the bulb is the depth you want to put them. So if you've got little crocus, they're very small, maybe half an inch. So you're going to be inch, inch and a half below the soil surface where you're going to plant those. If you've got hyacinths that are a two-inch bulb, you're going to be five to six inches probably down. Okay. Maybe even a little deeper. Tulips, the bigger the bulb, the deeper they go. Same with daffodils. So always remember, two and a half times the size of the bulb. Now, I don't want you to get too stuck on getting a tape measure out and all of that. Okay? The biggest thing I like to do, I like to just throw my bulbs down in the garden and then plant them. Okay? I'm going to go over this again. Please don't plant them like ducks in a row, okay? Drives me crazy. It might look great in your yard. But I like a naturalized look. 
I think bulbs naturalize and they give us a spring look that's natural. They come up. You know, there's multiple bulbs in a cluster. If you're buying bulbs in a package, one package is one clump. You can't take a package of seven tulip bulbs and plant it in seven different places. It doesn't work. You need mass with bulbs. The other thing to consider is tulips are tend to be more prone to deer damage. So put your tulips closer to your home. Put them up, right up around the foundation. Put your daffodils and crocus and all of those farther out along the side yards. And the nice part about the longer-lived bulbs is they kind of disappear and they come back every year. Okay, if there's some stalks that yellow and don't look so great, the farther they're away, the better. If you have tulips, my suggestion is plant them in the areas you plant your annuals. You won't feel so rushed to get out there and plant annuals too early before frost is over in the spring. The tulips will allow you to push off your planting of annuals a little bit later. Most times they're really looking good right around Mother's Day. So you're pushing to plant all your annuals a week or two early, which is fine in most cases. But if your tulips look great, all around Mother's Day, you can focus on all your containers. All those containers that are on your porch, all those hanging baskets, all of those things, you can get those done. And then when the tulips are passing bloom, you can lift those, you can clean the area, and you can do all your planting in the garden. So what it does is it gives you that blast of color that goes along great with all your containers. It goes great with all of your hanging baskets. And then, bam, it gives you a week or 10 days time frame to spread out your planting and not feel like you have to do it all at Memorial Day. It will spread out and make your spring planting season a lot more enjoyable. So a great way to kind of, you know, add or limit the stress to your spring planting time frame. So great question. It's time to start thinking about planting bulbs, okay? If not, definitely purchasing them and getting them on site so when you have time, you can plug away at it. Don't feel like you have to plant all your bulbs the same day. It can be a daunting task if you buy a lot of bulbs and have to do them all in one day. So pick every single night. Do two or three packages. It's a small job, and you'll be able to plunk them away at it Instead of feeling like I have to plant, you know, 200 flowering bulbs all in one year. The other thing I want you to do, mark the spaces that you put them. And then I want you to do two other things. I want you to add some soil perfector to help protect from moles and voles in the soil that you're putting around the bulbs. And number two, we're going to cover over with some bark mulch and or make sure we, we get uh, you know some soil covering over the new holes so the rodents don't go to dig them up. Those pesky squirrels, you know, they really love to go after bulbs. And it's usually the ones that are very shallow that we have more problems with, the crocus, the snowdrops, the grape hyacinths, the small bulbs, because they don't have to dig very far to get them. Stay away from bone meal the best we can because that will attract the rodents. So all good tips when it comes to bulbs. If you have questions, don't hesitate to submit them to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. 
the more questions we have, the easier the show goes, and it, it lets me know exactly what you need help with out there. Okay, we always get great questions. I can't answer all of them, and sometimes I don't want to be too repetitive. So if, just keep throwing them at me. I love the questions. We really appreciate that. Our next question is, when should I stop watering my plants in the fall? Prime question, you know, we've been fairly dry. We haven't had a lot of rain, but we're getting close. You know, typically, I would say around the 1st of November. Now, here's my rule of thumb when it comes to watering plants. The cooler the temperatures, the less often we have to water. Now, our general guideline is three times a week, every other day. Now, that's set up for the growing season. So now we're getting kind of to the dormant season. So my suggestion is if we're in the 60s and 70s, let's cut back to two times a week. So instead of every other day, we're going every third day. Okay? And then if we don't get any rain, we just keep that up. Now, as we get towards the end of October, early November, it might be once a week. What I want to do is keep those roots hydrated but not wet. So what I really want to do is make sure they don't get freezer burn, what I like to call freezer burn. When roots go into winter dry, they get kind of freezer burn. If you think about that piece of chicken that you've had for, you know, six months in the in the freezer and you pull it out and you go, wow, this is going to taste great. That's what can happen to our plants. Now, we won't see any damage all winter. Okay? And then all of a sudden, come spring, we'll start to get some warmer temperatures. And then we start to slowly warm up. And then you always see those few plants in your yard that... Right about the first 70 to 80 degree day, they start to yellow, then they brown, and then they die. And everybody in their neighborhood has a few. And more often than not, it's because they went into winter dry. And once we damage the roots, it doesn't show up all winter. And then as the temperatures and the plants start calling for more moisture, if they don't have the root system to pull the moisture out of the ground, because the ground is going to be wet in the spring, if the roots are dead, we can't do anything about it. So it's like insurance for your plants. We talked last week about wilt-proof, and wilt-proof will help. But if you're damaged your root system, forget about it. There is nothing we can do to the top growth to make the plant provide the nutrients to the top. So the roots are always the number one thing we're concerned about. So Good moisture, late in the fall, keeps us insured. Now, there are specific plants that are always exceptions to the rule. So talk with us at the garden center. There are always plants that do not like wet conditions. And maybe your soil is a little heavier, so we may tell you to pull back a little bit earlier. But rhododendrons and all your broadleaf evergreens and your evergreens, think about it this way. They have to have the moisture for the whole winter. Once the ground's frozen... That's all they have. Deciduous plants are a lot more pliable when it comes to moisture. But your evergreens and your broadleaf evergreens, late fall, just about the th time you think the ground is frozen, water one more time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB.
over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Ah, fall. Fall is here. Fall is going. Winter is coming. So we're going to start talking about indoor stuff. So here's a question. What is the best way to clean the dust off my houseplants? It's a great question. Houseplants that have dust all over them are just a pain. Let's face it. You usually have them in a big old pot. You can't move them. Who wants to take a rag and, you know, wipe every leaf down? They typically have a fair number of leaves. It's not an easy situation. You start in on the project. You get about halfway done. You're like, man, this is a real pain. So you think, well, I'll take it to the shower. You know, you throw it in the shower and you wash it all down, let it dry. It's a perfect way to dust off your plants. So here's a couple things I want you to think about. If you are going to do that, it's a great way to dust off your plants, and I do recommend it. Number one, it hydrates the plant. Number two, don't use hot water. Use cool, lukewarm water. Start your water before you put the plant in. Get it running just like you would if you were going to get into the shower. You don't want to jump right into cold water. You know, Same thing. We don't want cold water, and we don't want hot water. We want lukewarm water. So run your shower for a little bit, shut it off, then put the plants in, and then kind of, you know, splash them off. But the other situation I want you to be cautious about when we do that is we water the heck out of the plants. And so you get the root system at the worst time of year sopping wet. And what does that do? It creates root rots and problems and situations, you know, that you just don't want to deal with. So the best way to get the dust off is to wipe it off, okay? But we also have a product called Crystal Leaf Shine, okay? And it comes in an aerosol can, and this stuff's like magic. There's a couple things with leaf shines you want to be cautious about. Number one, I do recommend an aerosol for a leaf shine. There are many leaf shines that have pump sprays, but I find they don't give you the coverage you need and can't get underneath the leaf easily and on and over the top of the leaf. So I do recommend an aerosol, and usually not, I'm not really an aerosol person, you know, environmentally-wise. But in this case, I think you do more good using an aerosol like this this is a commercial type of leaf shine. It's something that they would use in office buildings and stuff like that. So great, fine mist. I do recommend you put a blanket down or something on your floors or carpet because it is somewhat sticky. What it does is it completely makes dust disappear. 
It just, you won't even see it. It'll be gone when, when you're done. Now, I don't recommend if you've got a half inch of dust on your, on your plants that you use leaf shine because no matter what you do, it's not going to help. <laughs> okay. If it's that bad, let's, you know, knock the dust off, you know, take a, a blower out of the garage if you have to, whatever you got to do. But at that point, it's a little bit too far. Now, leaf shine, it, to me, does a couple things also. Now, on the label, it's not going to tell you this. But our experience at the garden center, we leaf shine our plants periodically. My experience has been that it helps significantly with spider mite problems. It's a nice coating on the leaf, and it smothers spider mites. So leaf shining periodically through the winter months will help significantly on your insect problems also. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but you think about it kind of like in the same way you would with a with a oil spray. You're covering up, you're suffocating those insects. They're small, they can't move around as easily, they can't attach to the plant as easy. It's a layer of protection. We find at the garden center we have to spray a lot less. We don't have to, you know, use as harsh a product to keep the spider mites at bay if we do that. So we recommend it. Okay, so crystal leaf, crystal leaf shine. It's you know, think of it as the champagne of, of uh, leaf shine. Okay, so great, great product. I would recommend using it. I know I'm starting to talk about indoors and gardening inside, and we've talked about fairy gardens indoors and terrariums, but let's face it, folks. The season's coming towards an end. Now what we're talking about is decorating. We're talking about how can we make our environment inside. So here's a couple tips I would recommend. Do you have a small fountain you used outside, a fountain that's sustainable, You meaning it has its own pump, it has its own reservoir, it, it basically is, you know, uses, everything is contained. If you have a, a fountain like that, think about using it as a humidification device inside your home. If not, think about purchasing one this fall. So we've got these cracked egg fountains that we sell for outdoor on the patio. They're great to bring the sound of water, humidify your home, and also bring in some of that outdoor gardening. You know, add a few tropicals around it. Bam, you've got a humidifier with no, absolutely no filter to clean. You know, and this is one thing that we left off the list at the beginning of the show. Cleaning your filters on your dehumidifier and your humidifier. It's terrible how toxic those things can be. And also cleaning that filter in the air conditioner before you put it away. So filters, think of those. What do I need to do? Do I need to buy new ones? Do I just need to clean them? You know, but think about that. But I like small fountains for humidification in your home. It really adds a lot, you know, and there's nothing worse for our plants and us as an environment than dry air. You know, humidity keeps the cold away. It keeps all the bad things away. Obviously, not too much humidity. We don't want mold, you know, to grow. But think about it in terms of that. 
So, you know, we're talking indoors. We're talking what we can do to start getting ready for our holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of that. More to come on future shows on that. We don't need to get into it. Still a little early. Columbus Day weekend. We're still outside. We're still enjoying ourselves. We're still doing fall projects. We're outdoors. I just want to give you the tips along the way. So here's the next question. Paper whites. Should I plant them in soil? My mother always puts them in water and has great success. I don't have a container that will hold water. Can I do them in soil? It's a great question. Paper whites, old-fashioned plant, um, easy, can do them in many ways. Soil, yes, not a problem. Okay, the one thing is you're not going to plant them like a bulb outside. You're going to leave the upper two-thirds of the, um, the plant above, and you're going to keep them extremely moist. You might put a saucer underneath the container to hold moisture to keep the soil quite wet. I would recommend you look at buying a container to do them with water and rocks. It's the easiest way. These make great gifts also if you're going to someone's house for dinner or whatnot. You know, a little paper white container, you know, they're like 50 cents a bulb. You know, you put three of them in a nice little ceramic pot. You know, under $10, you got a nice little gift to bring your neighbor or your friend that you're going. And then they get the nice flowers later on in, in the season. So now it's time to think about planting paper wakes. So, yes, you can do them in soil. You also can do them in water. It's Is there a right way or a wrong way? No. The big thing is that you have enough moisture for the for the bulb to perform well. The other thing I would recommend is you buy multiple bulbs and plant them in a container. Don't plant one bulb. And plant them periodically throughout the whole winter months. So if you can, buy a bunch of bulbs, put them in a dry closet that's dark, and then periodically plant them. So about the time your first crop buds and you start to see the flower bud emerge, plant another container. Okay, by the time the ones that you planted first are passing bloom, the other one will start to be coming up and you'll have flowers on that shortly after. You can discard the ones that are past bloom and plant another container. So you can rotate two containers and you can have paper whites in bloom all winter. We'll talk more about amaryllis bulbs later on in the season as they become more available and give you tips wrapped around that types of bulbs because amaryllis can be a little bit of a pain so we'll talk more about that but paper whites now's the season you can start planting them and you can have them in bloom almost all winter so great addition the last thing i'll bring up is now's the time to think about starting some cat grass for all your lovely cats that you have inside okay Soon the cats will all start flocking indoors, and you almost have to kick them out, you know, when it gets cold. You'll find they start spending more and more time indoors, and having a bed of cat grass that you plant periodically will really help their digestive tract, and it will help them from gnawing on your houseplants. So start thinking about getting some of that going. With the warmer temperatures we have now, it's a great time to think about doing that. So we're going to wrap up the show, and it's you know Columbus Day weekend. It's the last weekend we have in Kennebunk and Scarborough. 
And again, I want to thank everyone because we're really, really happy with all our lovely customers we have down there. And we want to, we hope we're hoping uh, we're holding up to your expectations. I think we are. Um, but it's been a wonderful season. Uh, if you have last minute things you want, pop in, say goodbye to the staff. You know, they've done a great job this year and the stores have been wonderful, but it's time to go. So check back in with us in Yarmouth because we've got a whole bunch of things planned for late fall, winter. Okay, we've got some really new, exciting stuff I'll be announcing over the next few weeks. We've got some events coming up. We've got, uh, you know, some new new promotions and sales that will be coming. And let's face it, we'll be right in the Christmas season before too long. The poinsettias are looking amazing. Things are really growing nicely. The colors are starting to show up on them. You know, it's interesting how the seasons just change. Don't forget about your cabbage and kale and your late additions to the garden. We still have time to plant. There's still time to do a lot of things. It's just now it's time to button up, make sure everything we have done is going to survive and do well. Make sure that, you know, if you have questions, ask all those questions. If you have specific things you're interested in for the following season, 2014 requests are being placed, folks. Customers every day are looking for things, and we're writing them down. We'll call you back in February or March, start talking to you about your needs, uh, give you pricing, let you know what's going on for 2014. I know it's only October, but this time of year with... Let's face it, Thanksgiving is the closest to Christmas it possibly can. We have a very condensed late season this year. So everything's going to start a little earlier. Everything's going to be a little bit more condensed. So plan now. Get all your work done. Enjoy the rest of your fall. We'll see you next Saturday. Get out there. Enjoy your garden and enjoy Mother Nature. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.